This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I'm Katie Rich. I'm the deputy editor of VanityFair.com. I am in the, I'm on the East Coast. I'm the only person on East Coast time, so I jump back into hosting because I think I have a, a little bit more consciousness to share. Uh, I'm on the line in Los Angeles with our chief critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And our digital director, Mike Hogan. Hey, Katie. And our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hello. Uh, you guys, uh, I don't know how much sleep all of you got, but probably not much. I know I was watching Mike and Richard on the red carpet at the party many short hours ago, but, uh, we'll talk about the Vanity Fair Oscar party, which uh, Mike and Richard were attending shortly. But, uh, first of all, guys, Green Book won Best Picture. Richard, you saw this coming more than any of us, I think, but were you surprised when it actually happened? I was just because the night had, for the most part, been pretty satisfying in a way. And I was like, okay, like, we were so worried about this show and you know, with no hosts and all this, but like, you know, all those Black Panther wins were so great. And like, I was like, maybe that's going to win. And I guess maybe the, the Olivia Coleman win for the, uh, for best actress, which I was surprised by, but sort of ambivalent about, because on, on the one side it was great for her, but sad for Glad Close. That was probably indication that like, you know, best laid plans, like, like best laid predictions were not going to kind of come to pass, you know? Um, and yeah, so I, it was surprising, not surprising at the same time, I think it put kind of a weird cap on in the evening, which for the most part had been much better, I think, than people thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was a really spread out evening. Like, I think, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody won a bunch of awards in a row, and then Roma won a bunch. Alfonso Cuaron kept going up there. Uh, and it kind of felt like it was going all over the place. And like you said, Richard, like, maybe Black Panther could win. Like, anything could happen. And then ending with Green Book, which we've talked about a lot as kind of being a, uh, you know, middle of the road, not necessarily the most popular choice. It was kind of a, uh, a weird end. And then Julia Roberts, we could talk about the no-host thing, but Julia Roberts being like, okay, I'm going to end this show, that was also a weird note to end on. I think just from looking at... You know, and obviously this is my curated Twitter feed, but I, I feel like Green Book, at least for the people who are watching the Oscars, maybe not the people voting for the Oscars, was not just like a 
sort of neutral, mediocre, oh, I didn't see that coming hit. Like, a lot of people were actively very angry about this. This, like, the LA Times came out immediately with, like, this is the worst Best Picture winner in the last decade. There was all this mention of, like, Crash and also the optics of Spike Lee. You know, not not that we necessarily thought Black Lanceman was the front runner in this category because we didn't but the optics of a Spike Lee film losing 30 years later to another film about people driving and racism being solved etc etc you know and Spike Lee actively calling that out and according to reports in the room jumping up and trying to leave the Dolby Theater when Green Book was announced as the winner so this is like a very like you know I've seen people sort of disappointed gently with Best Picture winners before but I have not seen anything like like this, you know, before. But then again, I'm so in Twitter, I don't even know what is truth anymore sometimes. But from my own, like, curated perspective, this is a really big, sour note on the whole night, so. It's a weird thing how much Twitter hates Green Book. And maybe by extension, I don't know, but a, a lot of people in the press really don't like it. And um, and obviously there are some issues, some problematic issues that have been addressed, you know, in Vanity Fair and in Shadow and Act and other places. But man, when you talk to people out here, when you talk to voters, when you just talk to people who are not necessarily plugged into that world, people really like the movie a lot, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> the, the host <laughs> of our live stream, um, Karamo Brown and Kat Sadler were just like, I love this movie, I'm so glad it won, I just saw it, it made me cry. Like, you know, if you're not necessarily following every twist and turn of this whole thing, it was a crowd pleaser. Remember, it won the Audience Award at Toronto Film Festival. I think it is that kind of crowd pleaser that when you start to dig down, you know, into it, it gets sort of worse on closer inspection, I think is what happened to a lot of folks. But yeah, and it's funny how we we did a rehearsal on the live stream right before Best Picture. And I was like, well, it was a huge night for Roma. Kind of a, I I honestly was like half paying attention and sort of thought that Roma won Best Picture when I saw Coron up there for director, forgetting the (laughs) sequence of things. So I did live that reality for about uh, yeah. 90 seconds. Ted, Ted Sarandos is going to blame you for the for the hexing them. Yeah, I think I told Richard. I heard you doing that because I was standing nearby and I like grabbed our video producer, Eric, and I was like, Eric, this is a rehearsal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just like, Richard slide tackles me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it really seemed like a huge night for Roma. And then this, it was sort of like, let's just talk about Olivia Coleman because because that was cool. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, Green Book went from a thing that had screenplay and a, and a supporting actor to the best picture of the night. And by the way, Black Panther had, you know, had a lot of momentum early on so that a lot of people at my table at the dinner, including this guy, Will Packer, who, like, predicted every uh, award correctly. That's a whole other topic for another day. But a lot of people were saying, like, we're thinking if anything upset Roma, it was going to be Black Panther. But, you know, we all knew that Green Book was, like, a close second. I think we were all a little bit in... A lot of people were in denial about it, but, like, Green Book has been a close second basically all along if you if you kept your emotions out of it. I guess I did not keep my emotions out of it, and I, like, didn't even... I was genuinely shocked. I didn't even think of it as a... A second place. I thought it was like Roma. And then we were talking about Black Panther, Black Klansman, you know, and I was like, okay, we're maybe Bohemian Rhapsody because it's such, you know, like it's so problematic, but it's such a crowd pleaser. And I just, I genuinely thought after the Peter Farrelly and Nick Vallelonga news hit, Green Book was done. But this is like 
I keep learning this lesson every year that like Twitter canceling something does not mean the Academy has canceled it. And I need to remind me guys next year. Remind me, it's, please. It's the, the Venn diagram is not, not big. No, no, it I guess really not. And, not. and something that I want to talk about maybe on our uh, second post Oscar episode this week is the way the preferential ballot plays into this and the idea of it kind of settling on something that is the most widely liked. It comes in, you know, second place, third place on a lot of people's ballot, which seems to me like it could really benefit Green Book. Uh, whereas like something like Black Panther or Roma, you might put it at, a lot of people put it at the top, a lot of people put it at the bottom and doesn't have so much of that middle middle of the lane support. I do want to mention a couple more things, and then we can definitely roll off the fact that Twitter hates Green Book um, and move on with our lives. But I, I would say that like some of the things that happened, the acceptance speeches, really sort of further cemented this tension. Mahershala Ali thanked Don Shirley right off the jump in his speech, as he has throughout the whole thing. He's been very respectful towards the real-life man that he was playing, whereas the all-white screenwriting and directing and producing teams that picked up their awards, they thanked Viggo Mortensen, they thanked Carrie Fisher and all this sort of stuff, but they never mentioned Dr. Shirley's name. And backstage in the press room, in fact... Nick Vallelonga, I believe, is now spinning some kind of story about how they didn't even know Dr. Shirley had family until after they were done with the film. I mean, it's the, con- the story's constantly evolving in weird ways that makes me feel like with some time and distance, this win is not going to sit well with people the way that like the crash win did not sit with well with people or... I need to stop reading Twitter so much. Those two things. Probably both. And by the way, I, I think the other thing, I, I, I don't want to just dismiss it. I think that there are a lot of um, African-Americans who have serious problems with the movie. Not all, obviously, but, you know, a fair number. And I, and I don't want to be dismissive of, of those issues and concerns either. Um, so, you know, it was, but, but a great night in other ways across the board that we talked about the Black Panther wins, like the Ruth Carter, I had a chance to just tell her, I was like, your speech was so amazing. It was <laughs> so, something that everybody's been bringing up all night. I mean, that was super cool. Um, you know, Spike Lee finally winning was great. He had a long line of people at the party just just waiting to go and say hi to him. And so they've sure spread the wealth. That 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 was my kind of main takeaway. And I just think people, People are scared of Netflix. It was, you know, they got a lot because people love Quaron, but I just don't think people wanted to give Netflix that trophy this year, you know, and reward them for spending a lot of money. Um, I, I think people are still wary of them. Yeah, for a while there, uh, for some of the earlier awards, it really felt like every award was being accepted by a woman or a person of color or a woman of color. I, the women who made period end of sentence, the documentary short we talked about last week, their speech was so energetic and great. Uh, the two women who made Bow, the animated short, uh, Ruth Carter, as you mentioned, there was like this, uh, or even the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse speech where, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were the white guys who started speaking. But, you know, if you've seen that movie, you know what it says about like identity and, you know, anyone can be a hero. Uh, there was just this nice feeling about that, that it did feel like the Academy was expanding its reach, even though it wound up going a little bit more traditional with its best picture pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, this is going to be a process of fits and starts and, you know, change. You know, this is a big ship and it turns slowly. I don't think that Green Book is, like, the most egregious best picture winner ever. I think it's not a great one. I mean, like, there's a funny clip circling the internet of Spike Lee reacting on our carpet at our party to saying why he uh, doesn't think it's... um, 
he was annoyed that, that it won, which people should watch. It's a 15-second video. But there was so much positive to focus on beyond that. I think that, like, you know, speaking of Ruth Carter winning for Black Panther's costumes, Hannah Beachler winning for production design, um, she shared it with one other person, but giving this really beautiful speech about, you know, what Ryan Coogler reaching out to her for the role, the gig meant to her and all that stuff. Like, there were triumphant moments that were, you know, abundant in the evening that, like, I think it hopefully offset things a little bit. I think the thing that I'm, like, I, I mentioned it already, like, super emotionally confused about is the whole Olivia Coleman Glenn Close thing. Yeah. Because, like, I love the favorite, and I loved Olivia uh, Coleman in it. I've loved, I've loved her since, you know, Broadchurch or whatever, um, maybe a late adapter from a British perspective. But from an American perspective, I've been aware of her for a while. So it's that, that's a great thing that she won, but also, like, oh, my God, seven times. <laughs> Seven times since she was in that gold dress. And it's just I like, rewatched, oh my God. yeah. I mean, I so I loved Olivia Coleman's speech, and that's like maybe the highlight. Of that and then like the the shallow performance are maybe the highlight of the night for me. But I rewatched her speech in the announcement a bunch of times just because there's so much to take in. Like Emma Stone's fawning over her, Yorgos Lanthimos is fawning over her, Rachel Weiss was either in the bathroom or gone because she's not in her seat, and it's funny and like all this sort of stuff. And then I just started watching Glenn Close's face over and over again, yes. and like. That's not that's not a loop I suggest anyone else go on because it's like she does her best, but it's really hard. And uh, I actually kind of appreciate. It. I thought her face had this kind of like, well, what are you gonna do? Face yeah, about it. And then by the it, time it, it was, cut to yeah. her, like Olivia, like shots out, like you know, basically knew that Glenn Close was supposed to win. It's like I didn't want it yeah. to go this way. Yeah, I thought her reaction was amazing. And, and like, if you look at our VF party photos or the, our party report that's up on VF.com, like, or our live stream that was on the carpet, like, Glenn showed up in a new dress, like, with a great attitude. She, like, danced, she had a dance off with Cynthia Revio. Like, she was game face on for the VF Oscar party. So, like, I really, really respected that out of her. And that whole thing is just like, that is so memorable to me. It's so rare, it feels like, that we get such a big surprise like that. Yeah, I was so happy to see her come to the party and relax. It's funny, we were on the carpet again waiting for the live stream to start when when Olivia Coleman won. And it was just like a collective gasp of all of the press and photographers on that line. Everybody knew that Glenn Close was supposed to win. Everybody was just like, <gasps> but, you know, Olivia Coleman is just so lovely and cool. Her, her speech was so great. I, I, that was just one of those great moments that is that makes the show worth watching, you know. Um, Absolutely. Versus, versus sort of just ticking off boxes, you know. It's sad when somebody's gonna lo- has to lose, but on the other hand, it's not that sad. You know, you're 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 nominated for seven Oscars. You've had a hell of a career. Um, you continue to have a great career, and you know, it was nice for the favorite to get something. It hadn't won anything up to that point, too. So that was that was interesting. But yeah, Olivia just uh, just killed it with that speech. If you're going to uh, Zapruder, like, go through that win again, like I did many times last night, uh, <laughs> you might also want to watch Jennifer Lopez is in, like, the second row or third row, something like that, and she's with A-Rod, and he just looks confused, and basically, like, she <laughs> she leans over to him and is basically like, Glenn Close is supposed to win, you know, like, explaining <laughs> the context of what the energy in the room is about. Uh, it's really funny, so... Um, I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starred Zendaya at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional 
playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman. And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people and a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from Apple Card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How is your social battery right now? What's the right amount of socializing for you? And how do you recharge? Maybe you thrive around people, or maybe you need more alone time. Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash littlegoldmen today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash littlegoldmen. Yeah. yeah, so this show was a little bit shorter than usual. There was, a, you know, a lot less uh, gimmickry, no bits because there was no host. And I thought a lot of the speeches really stepped up to the plate to make it a really great show. Yeah, I thought that, like, people were just sort of high energy and clever. I mean, I think... <laughs> Those poor hair and makeup people. Oh, yeah. Like oh, my God. It's like <laughs> but, the worst uh, like acceptance speech I've ever seen. I but think. it's kind of wonderful for how <laughs> terrible it was. And like, but, Why do they but, only have one piece of paper? I don't know. And, and where were their reading glasses? Like, where was anything? Um, <laughs> but, um, I th- you know, but I think that, like, you know, it, unfortunately, because that was one of the categories that they, what they originally weren't going to air, people were like, this is why. You know? I like, know. I um, know. But, no, I thought that there were some, some great speeches. I think that, like, everyone just, I mean – for the most part, like everyone just seems sort of like thoughtful. And I think that the, the people who presented the awards, like, I mean, credit to the producers of the show, like, you know, they, they picked kind of unexpected people to present like, you know, Serena Williams or, uh, you know, a Queen Latifah. Like it was just like, they're like, and, and, and I think that Trevor Noah presenting Black Panther, like that felt kind of like on point. Like, like I just, there, there was a, a spirit about the show this year, um, very much contrary to a lot of the kind of doomsaying that we'd been doing about like what the show might be like, cause it was such a mess, you know, in, in the kind of lead up to it. And I think that the presenters followed suit on on that kind of like surprising thoughtfulness and uh, efficiency. I mean, they let them people talk. There, there weren't a lot of playoffs, you know, but like no one was going overly long. So I don't know. I, I actually I had a really good time watching the show, which I honestly can't say has been the case for the past few years. Yeah, I, I also think it's such a long. I did want to mention really quickly that uh, Trevor Noah, when he presented Black Panther, once again, Twitter let me know this, that like in the part of his intro where he um, you know, spoke in like a native language, he, he actually said, white people don't know that I'm lying, was like what he said. No way. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. hundred <laughs> percent. That's really great. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I thought all the like, you know, and Barbara talking about uh, Black Klansmen and talking to Spike Lee and all of that and everything Spike Lee was like, you know, despite his Green Book frustrations was like <laughs> so joyous, like leaping into Samuel Jackson's arms, like all of that is just like fantastic stuff. Really good. And I love Melissa McCarthy's rabbit dress. And Brian Tyree Henry is just so cool. It was just, that, that felt like a kind of um, 
arriving moment for him because that was one of the things that really everybody was bringing up all night as it was just that that ridiculous rabbit dress but it but it was that was a fun bit and of course amy and maya and, and tina starting it off sort of like saving the day because they needed some jokes to kick things off it was and like everyone, and, knowing that everyone wished that they were all hosting and they were like right. no we don't we don't need that we'll just do this bit and leave and you know i've been advocating all year for you know the music stuff and i i admit some of the musical performances were not the most uh thrilling thing in the world but that damn shallow performance oh, man. whatever you thought of it would love it or hate it it was you couldn't take your eyes off of it Holy it was absolutely moly. i uh, loved it like and I, I don't even like <laughs> i don't even love shallow nearly as much as most people but like that was amazing like you gotta love bradley just like going for it and doing such a good job and then like yeah there like everyone watching that was like make out you two at yeah. the end of the song like it was incredible it was so well, some good. of the people in the dinner were just were like they couldn't handle how um intense it was you know somebody was just like his girlfriend's sitting right there i mean it's just too much it's too intense it's not, that's that's not acting so even even some of the actors were not sure that they were acting um, and whoever and, decided but, to shoot it the way that they did where it's all i don't know if it was all actually yes. one take but it felt like it like it you know kind of mimicked the way that it's filmed in the movie like that chemistry just comes through so much when you do it like that i, I think that's something that absolutely contributed to that feeling of like palpability and and intimacy was that like it was surprisingly well directed for a live performance like that like yeah. it was it had intimate in angles reverse. and yeah like it was it was like With the audience in the back it was striking and i my, my kind of joked on our live blog i was like i wonder how many academy members either sitting in the audience or uh, in the theater or at home are like uh, maybe i should have voted for at least one of them in their acting categories because they're really good <laughs> you know but that was a special moment and i think also gaga when she won her her oscar for best original song like you know we've seen her give a kind of big emotional award speeches before going back to you know winning for a golden globe for american horror story uh, and then i certainly um, on the circuit this season that moment last night felt genuinely like it felt sincere like i don't think she was performing at the emotion at all um i think it was you know the kind of culmination of a long interesting and hopefully rewarding road uh um, and i think it was nice that mark ronson and everyone else kind of let her have her moment and then yeah you know he kind of stepped in at the end and was like you can't thank yourself but like thank you because without you there wouldn't really be this thing so i think that you know gaga had a really great night I loved the Gaga performance. I I really liked her speech. I love the portrait she did in the Mark Seliger gal- uh, like photo portrait gallery at our party. It's gorgeous. But I will say that there were like a few backstage photos and even on our carpet photos of her like prostrate on the ground with the Oscar where I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. You won an Oscar. She's Do whatever a theater you want. kid, Joanna. It's true. She, it's she true. feels things hard. It's true. You have She's your night. She's very dramatic. She's <laughs> a dramatic person. And I'll tell you this. I held an Oscar last night and I immediately felt... I, I could only equate it to the one and only time in my life that I've shot a gun where you're just like, I have the power of the gun. I have Thor's <laughs> hammer in my hand. So I don't blame anyone for doing whatever the hell they want with that thing. I wanted to bring up that Oscar, Richard. Yeah, because I saw it on Instagram. It was that the free solo Oscar uh, for, yeah. uh, I'm going to pronounce Chai, I'm going to pronounce her last name wrong. I don't know if you... Vassarelli, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I had a little little history with the, the free solo people in that I'd been one of the first reviews out of Telluride where it premiered, and then um, a couple months later, last fall, I did a Q&A with them on stage at Lincoln Center. Um, so I'd met them, you know, back in October, and um, I guess they remembered me, which I think was really nice, and I, and I said hi to her, and she 
said some nice things to me and then i was like i have to ask you the worst question ever and i was she was like do you want to hold it and i was like yes <laughs> and then, but not only did she like very easily relent on that point but she she just like kind of like gently took my phone and just like took pictures of me which i thought was really nice so that thing is really heavy <laughs> uh but you know going so the back photo to that, was yeah. was uh taken by an oscar-winning director as well just yeah to, to that's add. why it's framed so swankily that's that's the only kind of photo i allowed to be taken myself <laughs> uh, either chai or chivo or you know any of them but um yeah richard had chivo following him yeah. all night <laughs> but going True. that free solo win was another great one you know i think that it was kind of unexpected i think a lot of people thought rbg would win and um you know while while, while a deserving film are you know i think in in rbg like i think that free solo was just a nice little kind of surprise and and i think indicated another sort of way that the academy is thinking a little differently it afforded the opportunity for two people of color a man, man and a woman to go up and accept an award like and i love the moment where uh she then because they're married and she mentions that one mentions their kids and you know mentions one of them being in the audience and he had to like prompt her to name the other kid which was just really funny that was great it was a nice yeah. like moment <laughs> of, human. of humanity yeah exactly Sorry to that other kid. I'm sure that they love you both equally. Um, can I do another <laughs> Joanna Reads Too Much Outrage Twitter wet blanket comment really quickly before we move on to more positivity? Uh, yeah. which is which is just to mention that like Brian Singer's name was not not that I wanted to hear Brian Singer's name, but like the whole Brian Singer thing wasn't even like alluded to during Bohemian Rhapsody's four wins. Uh, last night and that I you know like I don't know I don't know how you do it gracefully on stage I don't know but I do know that I you know I think a lot of people were frustrated to see that so yeah and I think you know the one that was most glaring to me I mean well I I didn't unfortunately really get to watch Rami Alec's speech because we were you know backstage at the party doing a bunch of kind of preppy stuff but like when it won best editing it's like how the fuck do you think or like do a speech about that movie without as an editor without acknowledging the director. I don't know. It, it, it kind of clanged most loudly, I think, during that moment. But, you know, I guess what could they really do? We talked about Spike Lee a bunch as kind of like the MVP for reaction shots and him hugging Samuel L. Jackson. Did you see that Trump tweeted about him? He, he managed to get a rise out of Trump, which I feel like is the goal for anyone in a political award speech. What did without, he say? Without even saying his name. Uh, Spike Lee didn't say Trump's name, but Trump tweeted, be nice if Spike Lee could read his notes or better yet not have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president who has done more for African-Americans, criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc. than almost any other prez. So that was Donald Trump. That was Donald Trump's 3.50 a.m. So probably like 6.50 a.m. East Coast time uh, reaction to the Oscars. That's his hot take. Cool. There you go. Good for uh, him. I mean, Spike ending his speech about the, like, t- mentioning the 2020 election and then saying, do the right thing. Like, I kind of want Kamala Harris's slogan to be just do the right thing um, <laughs> for the Get 2020 Kamala election. Get Kamala Harris the brass knuckles with love and hate on yes. them. Yeah. You know, send her on the campaign <laughs> she trail. She can wear them. She's the best. Yeah. So maybe let's let's wrap up talking about the show itself, just with how we felt about it as a show. We said it went kind of fast. The speeches were great. I think there'll be a lot of discussion in the days to come about whether or not the Oscars actually need a host. Uh, do, you, do you guys have any gut reactions on whether they were better? off i mean you know kevin hart aside with any host would any host have made the show better i thought it was a really good show and i think that the hostlessness of it i didn't really miss i think that it, it you know with the the kind of amy mayatina opening and a couple other bits throughout like if you have like charming and funny people kind of do a few hits throughout the the broadcast like it kind of works out okay like maybe there was 
I mean, like, there was certainly a lot of stuff to talk about this year and or last year in movies that didn't get hit on, you know, kind of at the top because there was not like a monologue. And maybe I missed that a little bit. But I think that not having the host, it did trim down on the time without skimping on the sort of Oscar-y details. So I didn't I didn't mind it. I, I talked to a few people at our party that felt a bit differently about the way the show flowed and whatnot. But um, I was pretty engaged and um, I, you know, did appreciate that it got in just over three hours. I, I think maybe if they had, I mean, I know they were not the hosts, but maybe if they had brought Tina, Amy and Maya back up to like say goodnight rather than Julia Roberts being like, well, guess oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Then, you Some know, kind of like closing the loop. Yeah, they could have easily come up with a very tiny bit, just one final, like, goodbye. And then it just feels like a button on it, you know? But I agree with Richard um, that I don't think you needed them, like, throughout or any host throughout. Though I think Keegan-Michael Key and Trevor Noah were, like, a weed host when they were on our our party red carpet. and um, Keegan-Michael Key descended from the ceiling. That man is game. He yeah. will do what you need him to do. He was like, Jordan Peele's got an Oscar. I can get there. It's fine. Can we talk about the presenter pairs and how they put people together? I thought they did such a great job of making them really fun groups of people you want to see together. Yeah, they did. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't like the most A-listy in a way, but I think that made it more interesting. Yeah. Like Aquafina and John Mulaney, they, they stood out for me. It's just like, a, yeah. like you never thought you wanted to see them together, but they were wonderful. Jason Momoa was with yeah. who was Jason Momoa with again? Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. That was amazing. What a what a what a combo. Well, they're all they're old school friends though. I mean, they, <laughs> they went to, to Oxford. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Constance Wu and and Chadwick Boseman also. Who was with like, James McAvoy? I remember that being a good pair. Um, oh, it was uh, Denai Guerrera. They did. Yeah, sound. they were great. It was really and they, cute. They did all yeah. the, the ASMR stuff. Like yeah, the yeah, sound. Yeah, it was really cute. I will say that um, I just want to like uh, pat ourselves on the back. I think overall, I mean, at least for me, our predictions for short films were three for three. So good job, you guys. Yes, we, that's we, never we happened. It. I think usually <laughs> we do the show and we're like, God, we watched all the shorts and we got them all wrong. I know. We got them this year. Um, and yeah, the pe- talking me out of the Nazi thing was good. Whoever <laughs> did that. Thank you. LA As, private you schools. You mean talking you out of becoming a Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, 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 uh, the white nationalist rally short film no. that we almost voted for. That's the old Academy. The new Academy watches um, feminist uh, short films on Netflix. On menstruation. Um, and then, yeah, and then the people who are over at my house, like, I immediately showed them period, end of sentence, and bow, because they were, like, so excited and interested, because those winners, those women who went up and won were so cute and infectious, and so it was, like, they, you know, the people who were at my house were, like, we want to watch those. I was, like, well, I can hook you up right now. So, um, anyway, if you're listening to this, watch period, end of sentence on Netflix and find bow elsewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the hostlessness was it it did kind of work, but I don't know. It also felt a little bit unmoored. So I, I didn't miss the giant bloated, like, corny set piece at the beginning and, and all of the sort of, like, um, the, the kind of overlong intrusions over time. But it, maybe maybe that would have just been nice for somebody to come back and end it, uh, Tina, Amy, Maya. But... I don't know that I would just suggest doing this every year exactly, but maybe there's a happy medium or something. Know that fizzy feeling you get when you read something really good, watch the movie everyone's been talking about, or catch the show the internet can't get over? At the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, we chase that feeling five times a week. We talk about the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, and more. 
From lowbrow to highbrow to in between, catch the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Uh, well, let's jump into talking about the party. Uh, Joanna, you were up watching uh, all the action take place. Mike and Richard, you guys were there. I had to go to bed at some point. So I saw I saw you guys both on the live stream. You were wonderful, along with Kat, Kat Sadler and Cromo Brown. But uh, what'd you see inside? What's all the gossip? You know, it was funny. It was my first time going. And um, I, I think I made my way into the room or the rooms where the party were uh, f- for the first time, maybe about an hour in. Uh, and I was like, oh, this, you know, it's not that it's like it's 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 lively, but it wasn't like full. And I was like, I don't know, maybe maybe this year's different. Of course, it would be my first year when people don't show up. I, I was wrong to worry. By, but, you know, 45 minutes later, the place was absolutely packed and packed with like every other face you looked at. You were like, oh, that's blank. You know, I think at one point I was standing in a room with like jeff bezos and barbara streisand and anita hill and natalie portman and i was like oh okay sure (laughs) they were all talking about the movie they're making together yeah yeah (laughs) this is a dream i had once um so yeah and it looked lovely and uh, you know for a first timer i was i was pretty wide-eyed and just kind of taking in the scene but um i did get a nice chance to talk to some people like i already mentioned and um yeah, I think I think we did good, and I, I think the Seliger photos look incredible. I think that we we, we got a to, off to a, a wonderful early start with that that striking photo of Selma Blair, um, and kind of went from there. Uh, Lady Gaga's is is amazing. Um, so yeah, it just seemed to be good. I talked to uh, I, I won't mention a certain article from a certain other publication, but just to you know contradict it, I did talk to a lot of people at the party who were like, "This is the best you know effing party of the year." So, uh, and I think that we uh, we proved that that that, that supposition right. Yeah, man, it was it was like packed in a great way, in a good way, not in the kind of bad way. Um, it got it, and it did get to a little bit of a slow start, and then it just um, rolled. And there was like a traffic jam on the red carpet for quite a while of people waiting, you know, for their turn to stand on the kind of big carpet coin and be photographed. And in fact, you know, for the live stream, Richard and I were supposed to do more hits, and so were so were a bunch of other Vanity Fair people. And in the best way, we all just got canceled because Kat and Karamo just had too many celebrities to talk to. So it was it was really fun. People were having a great time. Glenn Close was dancing up a storm in the back. At one point, you know, Lady Gaga had one of those sort of gravitational patterns around her that you have to be like really, really, really super famous to to produce. And yeah, just everywhere you look. It's funny, Katie, you tweeted that picture of... Um, of Michael B. Jordan and Lupita uh, and a bunch of people holding In-N-Out burgers, and I definitely am, have a mouthful of um, of burger in that picture. And uh, <laughs> you know, it was just that it was just that kind of night. It was it was really fun. Um, you know, I think people can just look at the pictures and and see all the all the celebrities that came through. But it was also fun. I got to meet the screenwriter of uh, of Black Klansman, and uh, he he let us take a picture with him and his Oscar. Um, and uh, saw the free solo folks. Saw uh, Nicholas Bertel and I were were catching up because I had met him uh, on on the big short. Um, just like just everybody's in a really good mood and 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 partying and having fun. Got to meet Spike and 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 pay tribute to him. Uh, Regina King came in late and took a picture with um, with Mark Seliger and as did Olivia Coleman and and uh, Quaron. Quaron was like. You know, in this kind—I of, mean, nobody, nobody looked disappointed. Everybody looked like they were having a great time. And I, I, again, I think it was a, 
the, the way that the Oscars sort of spread the wealth, I think, uh, enabled everybody to go out and, and feel good about it. No, I don't think anybody was nursing wounds, really. I was so glad that uh, Frances McDormand once again seemed to be the person having the most fun at the party. Last year, she memorably like stole a bucket of fried chicken and walked around. And uh, in Julie Miller's party report, it mentions that she showed up in a different pair of Birkenstocks than the one she wore to the Oscars, which I love because she pre- pre- prefers comfort. And she took one of them off to show Elizabeth Debicki her shoes, which is, uh, I just have such a great, clear mental image of this. Uh, it just seems wonderful. Like I love that you know she can come. She had no pressure on her whatsoever and was like, no, I'm coming to the party. I don't need to get my photo taken. I'm just going to come and be comfortable and have a great time. Yeah, and not to, like, encourage people not to go glam for the Oscar party because, like, I love looking at Kendall Jenner's pelvic bones or whatever it is that you see at that party. But, like, Tina Fey showed up in Converse, and I think she name-dropped, like, she or Maya Rudolph, one of them, name-dropped uh, like the Birkenstock, the Francis McDormand Birkenstocks is inspiration for her putting on Converse. And then of course you've got Melissa McCarthy and her husband in like these matching Adidas track suits that they wore. They like bling themselves out. They were, they were dripping with diamonds, but wearing these track suits. And I was like, that's great. That's a great way to party. Way to go. The, those track suits were really MVP. That was yeah. so good. <laughs> So yeah, good. I recommend looking through the photos because there's a lot of people who weren't at the Oscars who show up at our party just wearing incredible things. Cynthia Erivo has this amazing like architectural gown on and this makeup job. Elizabeth Debicki, I guess everyone from Widows just showed up really dressed to kill. I didn't see Lupita at the Oscars. She might have been there, but I never saw her in the audience. But She, she was there, this, yeah. Okay, this wonderful white feather thing that I saw for the first time in our party photos. Uh, you know, Kendall Jenner wasn't at the Oscars. She's wearing this incredibly daring dress. Uh, the fashion is really something to see. Yeah, it was funny with Debicki because uh, when I first got to the party, I was like, is that Elizabeth Debicki? And I was like, Richard, who else would it be? She's <laughs> who else is 6'3 and beautiful? <laughs> like, like, of course it's her. And, and uh, our, our, our own Brit Hennemuth talked to her for a long time. And uh, yeah, everyone looked good. I liked, I liked the kind of conversions. You know, Casey Musgraves was wearing, uh, the country singer, was wearing a sort of semi-controversial like big fluffy pink thing at the actual show but then showed up at our party in a a, a much you know a sort of slimmer bronze kind of thing that was a a great look and it was it was just fun to see people in their sort of second act of the evening um and uh yeah i I think that like for a first time i think that there for me it, it was it was such a good showing of people and and i think you're right mike that because there was a sort of wealth spread in terms of the winners like the mood didn't seem one of like no one was like, oh, like, uh, like, should we be here? Should we be having fun? Because blank happened. Um, you know, people seem, for the most part, like happy enough with certain things that won. You know, I talked to Franklin Lettern, who is, you know, the creator of the the the, the blacklist, the the screenplay thing, and and they that that organization now does a lot more. They've gotten into producing movies, you know, and we we're you know we were kind of comparing notes about what we thought of the show, and we you know we came to the same conclusion, which was that like, yep, there was some you know not so great stuff, but some some also really exciting things, and um and that mood kind of was the one that prevailed. Well, just think about just you know how many years after the first Oscar so white thing, it really is a, a transformed show, thank God. You know, and 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 during the dinner, I, so I sat for the first. <laughs> I was the first timer actually sitting at the dinner after thirteen years or how many times I've done this. Um, you were at the that, grown-ups table finally. At the grown-ups <laughs> table for the first time ever. Um, and uh, got to hang out with Ron Howard, who has a really good theory for how to fix the Oscars, um, oh. but I'm not going to share it because I don't. Ron think Howard, come on, little gold men, we this. need this. But it was so. By the way, it was just so cool hanging out with Ron Howard. Of course, after six decades in the business, he's like the nicest, smartest, most down to earth person. Um, but like in that room, um, Shonda Rhimes and Tracy Ellis Ross 
and, and a bunch of other folks were like cheering when Regina King won, cheering when, when Ruth Carter won. Um, there was a lot to cheer about. It was really, really cool. Um, and so, so I think that, yeah, I think there were good vibes. Um, you know, different people have different favorite movies, but, um, but it wasn't the kind of night where it was like, it wasn't fighting words. It was just like, all right, well, this is my favorite. That, that's yours. Okay. And, uh, and everybody had something to celebrate, which was cool. Well, that might be a good note to end it on because um, we'll have another Oscars episode that we'll be recording later this week. We'll catch up with people who are at the awards and kind of get more perspective on it. Um, so I, any parting thoughts before we uh, save it for a couple days from now? Uh, this is a completely random thing, but at the party, I, I met Lana Condor from um, oh. uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the big yeah. Netflix movie. And I was like, oh, are you having fun? And she's like, yeah, um, I really, really want to introduce myself to. And I was like, what's she going to say? You know, Barbara Streisand, whatever. She's like, Adam Scott. And I was like, it's like you'll be fine go do it like that if if not here where like did uh, she do it i don't know i didn't i didn't i didn't end up seeing uh her after that but i i hope so uh i hope that she had a moment she and aquafina showed up together and it seemed like you know like friends who are going to this like kind of big scary thing for the first time together and just in solidarity it was really sweet I, i i love our VF red carpet live stream, not just for like getting to see Richard and getting to see Mike talk about everything, but also just, I don't know. It's, it's such a different red carpet vibe than pre Oscars. The post Oscars, like, woo, it's over. Like time to party vibe is, is so fun to watch. So I'm a big fan. All right. Well, we, uh, we lost Katie at the last second to a baby, but, uh, you can find her on Twitter at Katie rich, Richard, where can people find you? Uh, at Ryla's. Mike. Mike underscore Hogan. And I'm at Joe Wrote This. This early morning reaction episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. And the award for Kevin Feige's reaction to the first Marvel comic book movie winning an Oscar goes to Richard Lawson. I have Thor's hammer in my hands. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.